Yo, this is Sam Sports Podcast. It is Saturday, April 29th, 2017. Good morning. Hope your Saturday is treating you well. Um, you know, this is almost becoming a little bit of a mini tradition for me. It, uh, it's sometimes, you know, I, I, I kind of drift away from the mic and then I'm like, I got to get back on the mic. And it's like this Saturday, the Saturday morning, the last few weeks has really kind of worked out for me. And uh, it's nice. I'm, I'm liking it. I'm actually going to head out to Fredericksburg, see Lemur and and uh, Nick and Sarah. We're going to hang out at uh, Petternales Brewing Company out in Fredericksburg, Texas. And uh, they're having a party today from 12 to 6, celebrate. I'm not sure exactly. I think it's their five-year anniversary, I believe. Anyway, should be nice. That's what I'm looking forward to, but uh, I had to wrap a little bit about the NBA playoffs, what's been going on, this is, uh, so the update, so, okay, we, we know, um, we know what's, okay, so round two is pretty much set almost at this point, round two you've got uh, LeBron uh, swept out the Pacers, that's done, they're officially playing the Toronto Raptors. So let's discuss a little bit about the Raptors eliminating the Milwaukee Bucks. It's like, you know, it's, I haven't spoken to you guys in about a week. Let's let's recap what happened. So Cavaliers sweep the Pacers. I think that's apparent. Um, the Bucks put a real scare into the Raptors when they went up two games to one. Giannis started really thriving. Um, Thon Maker was playing ex- excellent ball. You started to see these rookies, these young guys, really start to come up and impose their will. But then the Raptors kind of had a really big gut check, really big gut check with games four and five, um, you know, coming back, taking those wins, taking them convincingly. You know, game four, very specifically, it was a very slow grind-out game. I mean, this was, they were, you know, tough, you know, uh, physical um, really grinding it out, low-scoring game, half-court game, and the Raptors kind of took it to them. You know, I heard uh, some other pundits were talking about this series. You know, um, guys like Malcolm Brogdon really kind of, you know, he's a rookie on a big stage, and, you know, he just he, he achieved during the season, but on the big stage, it's pretty tough to ask a lot. That's a lot to ask from a rookie. Chris Middleton really kind of didn't do some of the great stuff he did during the regular season that got the Bucks to the playoffs, and... You know, Tony Snell, Greg Monroe, these guys who had, you know, kind of great minutes and great contributions in those early victories for the Bucks in this series didn't, you know, couldn't replicate it as they went further into the series against a Raptors team, which is actually pretty good defensively. Pretty, I mean, they're good defensively, but they, you know, this is a team that's now been to the dance in the playoffs for several years in a row. They, DeMar DeRozan, let's talk about the Raptors for a second. DeMar DeRozan plays excellent basketball. You know, they know how to play a bit of a half-court, grind-it-out kind of ISO game. You know, Lowry is a facilitator on that team, and he kind of is the point guard. But DeMar DeRozan is the engine that makes the Raptors go. I really think so. I mean, he's your scoring presence. You know, he's the guy who's tenacious. Um, You know, and then you've got these other things, these other pieces of the Raptors that showed up, like Norman Powell. Norman Powell playing huge minutes for the Raptors in this series. P.J. Tucker playing fantastic defense for the Raptors. I mean, these are things that kind of turned the tide of the series and allowed the Raptors to just go on a three-game winning streak to just straight-up bump the Bucs. Um, and, you know, it finished with a Game 6 victory in Milwaukee. And, you know, it was... Uh, I think the Bucks were competitive, but, again, just absolutely convincing that... Uh, the Raptors kind of had this series in hand once they, you know, and they, and I read some articles about how they had a real emotional sort of uh, film session after games like two and three, where they really are looking at each other being like, what the hell's going on? 
Uh, so the Raptors made some strong adjustments, and now you've got Raptors Cavaliers. So let's talk about that. Um, game one Monday night in Cleveland. Okay, this is going to be an interesting matchup. So this is, a, this is a, these two teams met in the Eastern Conference Finals last year. Now they're going to meet in round two. Um, so everyone's another year older, another year wiser, but. What are the problems with Cleveland, the defense? You know, what are your matchups going to be? Are you going to see, you know, Tristan Thompson on Valanchunas? You know, are you going to see Serge Ibaka on Kevin Love? You know, so then you're going to see Ibaka having to kind of go out and guard Kevin Love. Um, you know, uh, is is the Cleveland defense going to be a problem or is this the series where they turn it on again? You know, these are all questions that need to come out. What are the matchups? So... Who's, who's going to guard LeBron on Toronto? I mean, are you going to be seeing P.J. Tucker doing that? Are we going to be seeing, uh, you know, who are the other wing players? Like, I mean, maybe Corey Joseph or Damari Carroll guarding LeBron. And, you know, are you going to see Kyle Lowry all over Kyrie Irving? I mean, you start to think of these matchups, and now, I mean, I think of the matchups, and it still kind of leans towards a, a Cavaliers victory. You know, I think the Raptors are a tenacious team, and I think they've got the defense to, like, kind of scare the Cavaliers. But again, you know, I think there's this strong belief that the Cavaliers are going to, you know, there's going, that they're a little bit of a shell of a team or, or a fluff team or a fake team where we're kind of being over, you know, wowed by the glitz of LeBron and and the the the, you know, the ability of him to just carry a team to the championship like he did last year. I mean, he really did last year. They have a great team, but they were down three games to one on the 73-win Golden State Warriors. And, I mean, just a suspension and a couple of big plays, and, you know, all of a sudden they're holding the title. Uh, so I don't think the Raptors are the team to steal this from the the hands of the Cavaliers. I think... Uh, you know, Kevin O'Connor on the ringer said it best. He's sort of like, I think the Cavaliers are going to come in here and dominate the Raptors, and we're going to look back and say, why did we ever even consider or think of the fact that the, that the Raptors could actually, you know, compete with this team? It almost makes me feel like several years ago when uh, you saw LeBron or the Cavaliers, like I feel like a couple times they went up against, maybe when he was on the Heat, when they went up against the Atlanta Hawks in like the Eastern Conference Finals, and they just swept them and killed them. Like it was like, right, the Hawks really had no chance at competing with this team. Um, yeah, I think we're going to see a little bit of that. I think, uh, you know, the defense will step in there, but I don't know if, I don't know if that Raptors defense is enough to slow down the Cavs offense. It's just so nasty. And I think the Cavs have enough, and they talk about flipping the switch, but I think the Cavs have enough of switch flipping. Like, they don't even maybe need to switch it the whole way, just like halfway. Like, they just need to turn on some key defensive players like LeBron and Kyrie and Kevin Love all at the right times in, in certain key games against the Raptors, and I feel like that's all it'll need to be to really you know, it's like they'll they'll blow out the Raptors. It's like I feel like there's going to be a couple of games in the series where they just blow the Raptors out, and then there's going to be a couple of games that are close, and in those close games, they'll make key defensive stops, and they'll kind of pull out the wins, and I just think, you know, I'm thinking that it'll be the Cavaliers in six. Uh, I'm going to, you know, I'm going to give the Raptors, you know, they're enough of a team. They have they showed from last season. They know how to pull out victories at home. It's not as easy to play in Toronto. Um 
But I mean, it's LeBron, it's the Cavaliers. I don't see they just rested for a week. I mean, I don't see any reason why they're not going to just roll on through this team. Moving along with the Eastern Conference, or should we jump to the West? You want to jump to the West? Let's jump to the West. Okay. So we saw uh, the battle of Russell Westbrook, James Harden ended in five games. Houston Rockets bumped them pretty easily. Uh, you know, the ultimate, he's probably going to win MVP, Russell Westbrook, and he's out in the first round. The ultimate triple-double machine, the reincarnation of Oscar Robertson, although, well, Oscar Robertson's not dead. Um, you know, this, this, this hero ball, iso ball mentality, it was even more so in the playoffs. He took even more shots. He facilitated less. I mean, he tried. He really tried to facilitate with his teams more, uh, you know, but it's it's hard, uh, you know, it's hard with Steven Adams. I think Steven Adams brings a lot, but it's like he can only do so much. And then you'd see those moments. Like I watched a couple of those games where you could just see the frustration on Westbrook's face when he passed it to a teammate and the teammate missed the shot. And you wa- you see him wanting to take over and do the whole game himself. And that's, you know, that's what happens. And that's who he is. And, you know, can you blame him for it? Uh, but in the end, you know, it wasn't enough to go up against a Houston Rockets team. And this is a Rockets team, you know, let's look at some of these numbers. They shot poorly from beyond the arc. This is a team that has live and died by the three-point shot and James Harden passing the ball out to open shooters, and yet they shot terribly from the three-point line and they still beat the Thunder in five games. What does that tell you about the Thunder and not necessarily their defensive prowess, but so much their ability to score? You know, without Russell Westbrook, they they didn't really have any ball handler. Well, they had ball handlers on the floor. They didn't have playmakers. They didn't have anybody who could really score. And, uh, you know, Bill Simmons mentioned it the other day. It wasn't until Game 5 when they got eliminated that Billy Donovan started to realize maybe when Westbrook's off the floor, I should have Oladipo out there. Because, you know, he doesn't stagger guys. He would have Oladipo and Westbrook out there. So then when you go to the second line, you really lose so much. And the Thunder felt it hard, fast, ugh. And the, and the Rockets, you know... Let's not negate the fact that James Harden got beat up. I think he hurt an ankle and he hurt a wrist in this series. So, you know, the playoffs is also a battle of attrition. And so you're going to have your best player in James Harden, you know, ailing a little bit. But, uh, you know, you saw production from everything in Houston that you wanted. You got your your three-pointers from Ryan Anderson and Eric Gordon. Um, really, I think things to note was Lou Williams. Eric Gordon and Lou Williams, these guys were key in this series. There were key moments when Harden went to the bench and Lou Williams scored big numbers. You know, Zach Lowe always bashed him about not being able to perform in the playoffs. He performed in this series. Eric Gordon shot and hit open shots in this series. Like, these guys contributed were big pieces for moving the needle forward and getting the Rockets into the next round. Clint Capella, like I, Daryl Morey's put together a nice team. Dan Tony, they got a nice system. Now, <clears throat> let's keep going. Rockets are going to face the San Antonio Spurs. Spurs, they played up against the Grizzlies. The Grizzlies, you know, after David Fisdale's take that for data. After that rant, Grizzlies turned it on. Refs got a little smarter. They won two more games at home really made it a series, started to make the Spurs look a little old again. And then, you know, they go back to San Antonio. Spurs take care of business, really dominate. Kawhi Leonard turns it on. Uh, You know, Patty Mills has been turning it on. And, and, you know, then they put the Grizzlies right back on their heels. You got the Grizzlies missing 
you know, I mean, Chandler Parsons, they are paying Chandler Parsons $20 million to not play. They, they got all these injuries on this team. Tony Allen's not playing. This Grizzlies team, you know, I really think they've been overachieving all year. And they're just, it's a shame because they're a great team. I like Gasol. I like Randolph. I like Conley. You know, and you're just getting another year older. Um, so it was it was tough to see that. And then they went down in six games. The Spurs showed up specifically in game six in Memphis. Kawhi Leonard, listen, Kawhi Leonard's been playing MVP ball the entire series, let alone, you know, the entire season. But Tony Parker, holy fucking shit, Tony Parker showed up with 25 or 26 points in game six to just dominate. Like it was vintage Tony Parker to the Tony Parker. Sacrebleu. I'm going to score 26 points on you in the game six when you're not even looking in Memphis. Pierre. I go out, I go get some coffee, I get some uh, uh, some uh, pastry and a brulee, and then I come to the FedEx Forum and I kick your fucking ass. Ha, ha, ha. I think Ginobili even had 10 points off the bench. I mean, it was classic Spurs, closeout game, even on the road. Popovich, you know, he's a master. And uh, I don't think we're going to get that out of Tony Parker. Like, you might get one of those a series. He's just... He's at that age now. He's up there where, you know, you got to have to rely a little bit more on Patty Mills to kind of give some of that. Because there were some games where Parker did nothing. And, you know, you're going to get that. And you've got to make sure there's guys like Mills. And, you know, I mean, they've got a few other guys that they're rotating through. But, you know, Mills has got to contribute. And he just can't explode and contribute like Tony Parker. At least not yet. I don't know if he ever will be. I mean, Gasol did what you wanted him to do. Aldridge... I mean, Aldridge has been good. He was productive in this series. There were a couple of games where he was clutch, but, you know, overall, it's it's not a secret that Aldridge had a little bit of a blah year. You know, it's, it's overshadowed by the fact that the Spurs won 60 games and Kawhi Leonard is playing out of his fucking mind and is one of the, is probably the best two-way player in the game. Um, but Aldridge is getting paid big money and, you know, I don't he was I don't think he was an all-star this year. If he was, he was a reserve who came on for like an injury. I don't think I don't know, but anyway, so this leads us into we need to now talk about Spurs Rockets. That's what we got as a round two series. What are those matchups? You know, who's gonna got who's gonna guard Kawhi Leonard? Who's who are they gonna throw on him? Is it gonna be uh, you know, Trevor Ariza? Are you gonna see him guarding Kawhi Leonard? Are you gonna see Clint Capella? guarding Kawhi Leonard, um, you know, who the hell else is on this Rockets team? That you're gonna, are you going to see Ryan Anderson guarding Kawhi Leonard? And then who do you put on Aldridge? Like, how are the matchups going to work with these guys? And, you know, who's going to guard Harden? You know, are you going to get in this, is, is Mills? I mean, I think Danny Green. You're going to see a lot of Danny Green on Harden. Um, you know, but will he be enough to contain Harden? Who else are they going to put on Harden? Like, will you see rotations and you see David Lee come on Harden, uh, which I don't think David Lee could guard Harden at all. Um, how are the matchups going to work? And so I, I, logic would say that the Spurs are going to win this series, that Greg Popovich will do what he does. And the fact that the Rockets don't have the defense and, and I mean, listen, I was wrong. I picked the Thunder to win this first series, you know, I, uh, but, um, you know, logic would dictate that the Spurs are probably going to try to grind out this team and slow them down. 
and and you know do what Kawhi Leonard can do and have him be the superstar and have him try to shut down James Harden. I think in fourth quarter play, you'll see Kawhi Leonard guarding Harden and trying to have Harden make that big shot and Kawhi Leonard being the guy who probably blocks it or or gets a hand in his face. But you we can't negate the fact that even though, you know, Houston, you know, this this offense is explosive. They're going to rain threes on the Spurs. And we saw the Spurs get knocked out last year in the second round by the Oklahoma City Thunder, a team that was just running them off the court, that was so athletic that they couldn't keep up with them. And is this Rockets team going to be athletic like that? Are they going to run the Spurs off the court? And I mean... I don't know. It's it's really tricky because n- normally I would say Mike D'Antoni's style of basketball can't be when you don't have a strong defensive unit really at all on this Rockets team. How can you trust them to truly get through a team like the Spurs that's really going to force you at some point, some point they're going to hopefully try to keep the game within reach so that they can grind out a half court game at the end of the game. You know, if they can keep it within four or five points, they can grind it out in the fourth quarter. But if Houston gets a, you know, blows them out and gets a 20 point lead in the first half, I mean, granted, Houston was blew a few leads against the Thunder in the first round. I mean, can the Spurs do that? <clears throat> can the Spurs grind them out and take some of those games? You know, I'm thinking about it. I'm going to say, <sighs> I'm going to say, yeah. I'm going to say, yeah, I think the Spurs will grind it out and do it. I think the I as much as I think Harden is an absolute beast and a monster, I think this is going to be a different series. Um, I don't think the Spurs are going to let him, you know, do everything that he wants to do. And I, I like the Spurs. I like the Spurs in this series. I'm going to say six games. I think it'll be enough for Houston to take out games at home, but... I'm going to say Spurs in six. I think everyone will take care of business at home. And in pivotal game fives, you're going to see San Antonio do what they do. I mean, it's hard. It's really hard to dismantle Popovich and his system. And I mean, last year when the Thunder did it, they had Westbrook and Durant. This year with the Rockets, you've just got Harden. And I don't know if it's enough. I don't know if it's enough. You've got enough play. The supporting cast in Houston is probably better than the supporting cast in San Antonio. But I just think... I'm going with the Spurs. All right. Um, Eastern Conference. So let's flip back. Let's talk about... Uh, so the Wizards and the and the Hawks and the Celtics and the Bulls. Wizards and the Hawks finished up their series last night. The Wizards, finally, a uh, road team won a game. The Wizards went to Atlanta in game six and eliminated the Hawks in six games. Now, this was pretty. John Wall stepped up. He had 42 points, at least 10 assists. Or if not, he was a monster. John Hall's John Wall has been a monster, and you know Bradley Beal. <clears throat> Bradley Beal's had okay, a couple of games in this series where he was awesome, a couple of games in this series where he disappeared, and you know you can really tie them to home and away games. Um, <clears throat> whereas John Wall has been an absolute fucking force the entire series, scoring at will showing that he's probably the best point guard in the league right now, if not the best, arguably the best. I mean, he's up there. He is a he's an absolute phenom on the court. He's the best guy in this series. Now, you kind of saw a little bit of a thing going on with he and Schroeder. I think John Wall won. Um 
And you started, and you know, even though the Wizards don't really have much of a defensive presence, they really don't. They are also they're also another team that wants to kind of shoot the lights out and play fast. Um, this is a team that uh, you know was able to kind of just overcome everything with this Hawks team with their backcourt, and you know they finally they finally went in for blood in Game Six and and just dominated. And this Hawks team, and now granted. Can't knock it. The Wizards were up by 20 uh, in, in Game Six, at least in the first half. The Hawks came all the way back. So again, the you know the Wizards having this you know penchant for blowing leads, which you know happened in this series. Again, this was a series where it was back and forth. It was a run after run after run after run. Eight points, seven points, eight points, seven points. Um, I just think Atlanta's supporting cast wasn't enough. You really Millsap. Schroeder, you know, that's kind of what everything you had. You know, everybody else is just filler. Dwight Howard is a shell of himself. He looked like absolute dog shit. Absolute dog shit in like, you know, in a paper bag flaming on your front doorstep. He was just, it was, it was ugly to watch Dwight Howard in this series. It's a shame to say that, but it's true. Um, you know, Kent Bazemore, the, you know, the other pieces, the Cephalosias, these guys, you know, it just, it wasn't enough. It wasn't enough to stop, you know, Beal and Wall. And, you know, the guy, the rest of the players on the, on the Wizards, you know, they, they do have some questionability to them. The Otto Porter, Kelly Oubre, you know, Markeith Morris, Marching Gortat, they, they do what you need them to do, but that leads us into the next series where they play the Boston Celtics on Sunday. Before we get there, Boston Celtics took care of business and finished off the Chicago Bulls in six games. So after being embarrassed and dropping the first two at home in the garden against Rajon Rondo, the near triple-double machine of 2012, back in time, Rondo, that whole back-in-time shit, didn't last, breaks his wrist, Misses the rest of the series. The Celtics proceed to win four straight games and dominate. I mean, the Bulls really completely lost their shit. They had absolutely no answer at point guard once Rondo was gone. Isaiah Kanan came in at point guard. Michael Carter-Williams came in at point guard. Cameron Payne didn't even get on the court. I mean, it was an absolute shit show for the Bulls. They were putting out lineups they'd never played before. I mean... It, they completely fell apart at the at the at the seams. I mean, it was like yeah, it was it was like watching someone just melt down. It was like watching the Wicked Witch of the West just melt down at the end of the Wizard of Oz. Only like look for something a little bit more specific and like shitty basketball related. Uh, you know, kudos to the Celtics. They took care of business. You know, Isaiah Thomas losing his sister. That's absolutely terrible. I think he is today at her funeral. Um, you know, our thoughts and prayers go to him. It's just terrible news. Um, <clears throat> but to see them turn around, they answered the call. They stepped up. The rest of their team did what they needed to do. Avery Bradley, um, Kelly Olynyk, uh, Al Horford. Al Horford had a really big game in Game Six in Boston, uh, in Chicago. I mean, it was. It it just you know the, the Celtics needed to do that, and I also think you know there's been a lot of this 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 hate on the Celtics about how you know they haven't won a playoff series like this Celtics team with Isaiah Thomas and and Horford and 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 Bradley and Marcus Smart and you know these guys have been to the playoffs the last couple of years as they've slowly kind of you know the Brad Stevens era Celtics as they've been rebuilt like you know this is the first time 
we're actually seeing them, you know, in the playoffs that, well, they haven't won a series. They haven't, well, now they've won a fucking series. And they won it in pretty convincing fashion to drop two games and to really have this fear of they were going to be bumped as a number one seed and to step up, answer the call, come back. I mean, and they played, you know, I mean, they, they stepped up, man. They were hitting the threes. When they're hitting their threes and they're getting back on defense, I mean, they can really dominate, and they did, and they showed why they're the number one seed. Um, they took care of business against, listen, the Bulls did not even, by the end of it, it was the Bulls we remembered from all season. They were atrocious. So now, Celtics, Wizards. That's what we're talking about. Um, game one is tomorrow, Sunday. Yeah, they, they didn't give them any rest at all. They're just throwing them right into game one on Sunday afternoon. What the fuck is up with that? Uh, anyway, it's good TV. That's why they, they don't care. It's all TV dollars. Money, 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 money. Um, so Celtics Wizards, who's going to win that series? That's going to be dicey. Um, I mean, I'm leaning towards the Celtics because... I don't, I don't have as much faith in the Wizards' backcourt. Or excuse, wow, that's not true. I don't have as much faith in the Wizards' defense. Their front court, their ability to shut down Isaiah Thomas, even with their big men, um, you know, because I think the Kelly Oubre and the Otto Porter, those are the defensive sort of weak spots. I don't think they're terrible on defense, but those are guys who can make mistakes and can sort of let up scoring in such a way that it'll it's what you saw in the Hawks series when the Hawks were able to come back and and you know come out of a 20 point hole to make the game competitive. The Celtics are going to be able to do the exact same thing on the Wizards. Now, we need to then start looking at can the Wizards put up enough offense on the Celtics and can the and can the Celtics defense crunch that Wizards team so that they take some wins because that's a tough matchup for the Celtics because the Celtics have some of the same weaknesses as the Wizards. Like can, who's going to guard John Wall? Because Isaiah Thomas is a liability when you're on the defensive end. So you got to throw him on like an Otto Porter or a Kelly Oubre. But then you've got to say, all right, are we going to throw you know Avery Bradley on John Wall? Or are we going to throw Avery Bradley on Bradley Beal? You know, are we going, you know, is Marcus Smart going to guard John Wall and we'll have Avery Bradley on Bradley Beal? Um, you know, then we start to get into like Jay Crowder, like, you know, how is Jay Crowder and Kelly Olynyk? how are we going to do the defensive matchups there with, you know, Jason Smith on the Wizards, you know, you know, is Boban going to become a key piece because he can stretch the floor, you know, is on the same, on the other side of the ball, is Kelly Olynyk going to be a key piece because he can stretch the floor? Um, you know, these got these players, these Jonas Jarebko's, Jalen Brown's, I think we might even see a little Jalen Brown, um, for the Celtics, but these other guys, you know, the Brandon Jennings on the Wizards, the, uh, you know, the Jason Smith, these guys are going to become key cogs in trying, like one of them is going to need to be an X factor in this series. Like you're going to need to see. Brandon Jennings try to score a bundle of points or Marching Gortat try to score a bundle of points to kind of fuel when Bradley Beal disappears. Because like when Wall and Beal explode, they have a high likelihood of winning. When Beal kind of disappears, all of a sudden it gets a little dicier and it gets a little tougher. And you saw that happen when the Wizards went on the road. So, you know, they're going to have some trouble in games one and two going into Boston. But, you know, I think... I kind of want to say John Wall is the best player in the series. So I would want to say John, you know, with that in mind, John Wall being the best player in the series, at any given time, he could go out there and just take care of fucking business and dominate and, you know, 
and 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 take over a game all by himself. And then when you've got another a pl- another playmaker like a Bradley Beal on his team, it's almost like that's enough to kind of kill you. And you know, I I get scared for a team like the Isaiah Thomas, where you've got a de- you know he is a defensive liability with his height, and uh, you know with Al Horford, like Al Horford's a great piece uh, in the front uh, in the front court, but is he you know how much can he help when it comes to Beal and Wall? So that's where. I just think the Wizards and the Celtics match up well. I think it's going to be a seven-game series, and I think the Celtics are going to win in seven. That's what I'm thinking. I think the Celtics have enough. They've got what it takes to to kind of fight through this Wizards team. Oh, God, I still, you know, with John Wall and everything, I still just want to root for the Wizards, though. But I kind of think the Celtics have a, a better... I just think they've got more pieces on that team. I think the Celtics have more depth. I'm going with the Celtics in seven games. That's my pick. Um, whoo, wow, Eastern Conference. I'm picking the the Cavaliers and the Celtics to meet in the Eastern Conference Finals. Not a terribly large prize, number one in the number two seed. All right, let's uh, – thank you for listening as I've ranted about all these teams. Let's sum this up. The last thing we we haven't really picked apart yet is the, the last chunk of the Western Conference. You've got – so Golden State Warriors swept the Portland Trailblazers. Game four was embarrassing. The, the the Golden State Warriors, Kevin Durant came back. They went up, I think, 12 or 15 points to start the fucking game. And let's just say Trailblazers never came back. It was over before it began. Um, so the Warriors sweep them. They're in round two. Now, Utah Jazz, Los Angeles Clippers. They're going to game seven. They played game six last night. The Clippers won game six in Utah with no Blake Griffin. This is a serious fucking series now. Game seven's going to be, I think, tomorrow or two nights away. Either way, it's coming up. It's going to be in L.A. This has been an interesting series because I think initially, wow, just to start out, number one, and I said this last week, to have Rudy Gobert go down in game one and then miss essentially essentially game one, two, and three. Rudy Gobert misses the first three games, and you see the emergence of Joe Johnson uh, the playoff clutch hit, clutch shot hitting ISO Joe Johnson from five years ago, still doing what he does and doing it on the biggest stage there is. Joe Johnson pretty much wins game one. And, you know, it was that's the thing about this is with all the Clippers' talent and prowess, um, you are seeing them have difficulty on the depth. You know, Austin Rivers just came back from injury. Um, and, uh, you know, you're seeing, you know, Paul Pierce is being expected to play meaningful minutes. This is a guy who's about to retire. Uh, and so the Clippers, this strong, excuse me, dominant team that, uh, you know, we saw do great things at the beginning of the season, but then, you know, go through the injuries, Blake Griffin gets injured, you know, Chris Paul gets injured. Everybody's kind of coming back from these injuries. And it's really sort of this last dance of this lob city Clipper team they have trouble, and they and even with Gobert going out in Game One, the Jazz still steal home court, win Game One with Joe Johnson's like exciting win at the end of the game plays to to steal Game One. Game Two, Clippers take care of business. They send it to Utah one one. Game Three, Clippers still take care of business, but Blake Griffin hurts his toe, and he's done for the playoffs. Blake Griffin is out. Is the, and, and I believe this is the second straight year this has happened where Blake Griffin is going out in the playoffs. And, I mean, now essentially Chris Paul is being asked to do everything. So now it is the Chris Paul show. 
that's what you're that's what you're working with right now. And I don't know if the Chris Paul show Clippers because I think Chris Paul is a fantastic player. He's one of the best point guards in the league. Even as I say this, you know, talking about who the hell else was the other guy I was just raving about as the best point guard in the league. I don't fucking know. I'll say it's earlier. You guys remember it was earlier in the podcast, but um, the Chris Paul run Clippers where he's kind of the everything it's Chris Paul and Deandre Jordan. Those that's, you know, Deandre is a, a strong presence down low and has played great in this series. I still think this is one of the best seasons Deandre Jordan has had, um, you know, without Blake Griffin, you take a lot away from that team. You take a lot of defense away. You take a lot of scoring away. And so the Clippers were able to take game three. You know, Blake Griffin played about half that game. That was where games two and three, I really think they showed dominance. And they go up two games to one. They win in Utah, but Blake Griffin then goes down. Game four was Gobert back for game four, you know? I think Gobert might have been back for game four. Yeah, he comes back in game four. Gordon Hayward gets food poisoning during the game and leaves the game. So essentially, Hayward, Gordon Hayward doesn't play game four in Utah. Pretty much. He played like nine minutes. He didn't really he didn't really play. So you've got Gobert and Boris Diaw and 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 everyone else on that team. You know, listen, this team is playing great ball. Utah. We can't roll over on what they've been doing, all right? Joe Ingles, great defense. George Hill, fantastic point guard. Joe Johnson, showing the world he still matters. Boris Diaw, very, very powerful. You know, Derek Favors had to step in and play major minutes for Gobert. I don't know if he's the same thing as Gobert. I don't, well, he's not. But he, you know, he played good minutes. Like, these guys stepped in when they needed to step in. There's been some good contributions from the Utah team that has really kind of made everything else go. Rodney Hood. Rodney Hood's been a big part of this Utah Jazz team and really finding ways to stay in it with this Clipper team. And game four, that's the turning point. Again, Utah Jazz win, tie the series. They win in Utah. Joe Johnson again goes crazy. He is another key part of why they won that game. But you also need to remember, Blake Griffin is not in this game, and Rudy Gobert comes back. They tie the series. Then they go Game 5 in L.A. Again, it's just Chris Paul, Hero Ball, no Blake Griffin. Gobert and Hayward and Joe Johnson and everybody are back. They come in and they take care of business. They win Game 5 in L.A., take a 3-2 lead. They come back to Utah. Chris Paul was amazing. And Rudy Gobert rolled his fucking ankle. He rolled his ankle at the end of the third quarter, and he didn't play in the fourth quarter. It was a close game, and in the fourth quarter, Chris Paul went crazy, scored a couple of huge shots. They went ahead by 10, and the game was over. The Clippers stole game six in Utah to force a game seven in L.A. It's been a pretty, pretty exciting series. You know, Luke and Ba Ba Mute and Jamal Crawford playing big minutes for the Clippers last night. Um, J.J. Redick doing what he needs to do. Like, key guys. Austin Rivers hitting shots. Like, these were key guys who made major contributions in this series. This Clippers-Utah series, I think, has really gotten exciting. And uh, I'm very curious to see who's going to win Game 7. I am um, I mean, granted, it's whoever wins is going to go up against the Warriors. And I do think, whether it's the Clippers or the Jazz, I think the Warriors are going to be able to sweep either team. you got a Clippers team without Blake Griffin. And you got a Jazz team now with a really ailing Rudy Gobert. Um, either one of them is probably going to get swept. But Game 7 in Los Angeles. 
I mean, I'm going with the Jazz. I'm going with the Jazz. I just, I don't have faith in this Clipper team. I, without Griffin, you know, Chris Paul is going to get tired. I don't think they have enough depth. I don't think Paul Pierce is going to make the shots you need him to make. I don't think, uh, you know, Jamal Crawford and J.J. Redick are going to give you all that scoring that you need. And I think, uh, you know, the Jazz, between Joe Johnson, Gordon Hayward, and even an ailing Rudy Gobert, you know, even a Boris Diaw. I could see Boris Diaw scoring double-digit points in Game 7 in L.A., but I, I think Quinn Snyder is going to prep this team that the Jazz are going to come out and surprise some people. That's my Game 7 prediction. Jazz are going to win. It'll be Jazz Warriors in Round 2. Who would have saw that coming? All right, that's uh, that's it. I had to go to I had to break down round two and break down what's been going on in the playoffs. Check in on my Saturday morning, uh, do some NBA. Um, hopefully, one of these days, I keep saying it. I'll sit down and talk about the NFL draft. Oh my God, craziness at the NFL draft. How about fucking, you know, Mitchell Trubisky getting you know, the Bears jumping up one spot to number two to draft Trubisky and traded all those picks. Oh, it's just bonkers. Robert Mays. I, I can only imagine the agony you're going through. At least my Eagles did not go crazy and draft a fucking guy, a quarter, Jesus, whatever. I have more confidence in Carson Wentz. Anyway, that's for another podcast. That's an NFL podcast. But back to NBA Sam Sports Podcast for today. Thank you for listening, everyone. Um, Subscribe to uh, Sam Sports Podcast on iTunes, Stitcher, and SoundCloud. Like my Facebook page, Sam Sports Station. It's kind of the the other sort of like, that's all part of the branding. Sam Sports Station, part of the branding. Um, follow me on Instagram, Sam Sports Station. Follow me on Twitter at Smithface Jones. That's my parent company, Smithface Jones. Has to do with a joke I have with my brother. I'll tell you about it later. Um, also, uh, review the podcast on iTunes. T- sell, tell me whether you like it or not. Uh, thank you again to Don Kinian for the Sam Sports Podcast theme music. Get you revved up as soon as the, the thing starts off. I like that kind of techno beat he's got going on. Um, but in the meantime, enjoy your Saturdays. Enjoy the NBA playoffs. There's no games today. There'll be Sunday games tomorrow, Round one or uh, uh, game one of that uh, Celtics-Wizards series. And I believe... Game 7 of the Jazz Clippers as well. Um, Check it out. Should be on TV. I'm going to be enjoying it. Hopefully you will too. Enjoy your Saturdays. Take a look at the person next to you or the person you love or people you love. Smile at them. Tell them you love them. Uh, Smile at the day. Enjoy it. Feel good to be happy. Feel good to be alive. It's a good day. It's a good thing. All right. Thanks for listening, guys. Talk to you soon. Uh, Bye-bye.